Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. When is the last time you personally shared the good news with somebody? When is the last time you even ask anybody to come to church to hear the good news? You see, today, listen, millions of people are going to hell today. They're dying. You say, well, millions of them. Some of them will be your friends and neighbors over the next matters of time. Who's going to tell them? The capstone is a vital component to a piece of architecture that would crumble and totally fail without it. One piece. Jesus is that capstone for us. Without Him, our lives will break down, whether it's spiritually, physically, or emotionally. We've all been given the responsibility of coming to know Him. Only we can make that choice for ourselves. But that doesn't mean we should just stand by and watch as unbelievers continue on through life without the assurance of salvation. Reach out to the lost time and time again, just as the Lord has done with us. Eventually, the message will hit them at the right time in the right place, the heart. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 9, for our continuing study entitled, God's Offers and Man's Opportunities. That is a picture of Jesus prophesying his own death to what these people were going to do. He told them they were going to do this and throw him outside of the city. Spurgeon says, when you look at God, here's what he says. If you reject him, he answers you with tears. If you wound him, he bleeds out cleansing. If you kill him, he dies to redeem you. If you bury him... He raises again to bring new life through resurrection. Jesus, indeed, is love manifest. So Jesus came to call Israel As he's speaking to them in this parable, as I'm speaking to you this morning, as he's speaking to them, he's hoping they're going to do one thing. Turn around and say, God's good. You're his son. You are the Messiah. We accept you. That's the purpose of the parable, to get people to repent. That's the purpose of the gospel, to get people to repent. When we see the goodness of God, that's what God's goal is. Now we come to an area you probably won't like, but it's number four. The certainty of God's justice and judgment. The certainty of God's justice and judgment. Look at verse 9. Well, if they've killed the owner's son, verse 9 says, What then will the owner of the vineyard do? Put yourself in that shoe. You're the owner of the vineyard. They killed your son. What are you going to do? What is fair to do? In the book of Matthew, it says that Jesus turned to the, to the rulers and said to them, You're the owners of the land. What would you do? 
And they answered him. Look what they answered him in verse 9. Well, the owner, he will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to other. In other words, the fair and just thing to do for the owner was to come and punish the farmers. They'd had so many chances. They'd blown it. And give the land to somebody else who could produce a harvest and share that harvest with the owner. Now, when you look at that, it's amazing to me. When you look at God, some of you this morning are like these farmers. Do they think they can totally ignore the owner of the land that they're working? Do they think that God is absent from the scene and doesn't have a clue as to what's happening? Do they believe by putting God out of their mind, they can act and do whatever they want and get away with it forever? That's the way our world thinks today. Well, just put God in the background. Yeah, there's a God. Big deal. There's a God. Sure, there's a God. Put Him in the background of my mind. If I put Him out of my mind, that means He doesn't know what's happening in my life. Hello. Do you think that's true? Interestingly enough, we see that the fair thing to really do is to take the vineyard from those who have failed it and give it to somebody else. That is justice. That is God's justice. You see, the farmers were really unaware of any judgment that come. They hadn't received any before. And this is the kicker. Fifty years Isaiah's abused. And the people of Israel see no God's justice, so I can get away with it. My friend this morning, God's grace and patience one day will run out in your life. You see, you need to hear about the judgment and justice of God. Now, when we present that, people don't like it. I particularly don't care for it myself. But I don't want to hear about His justice and His judgment. Somehow, people think if God's going to judge the world, that's unfair. But no, like the parable, it's very fair and it's very reasonable. No doubt you've heard somebody say to you, Why would a loving God send someone to hell? God never sends anybody to hell. Man always chooses of his own will to reject God and sends himself to hell. I read this week a very interesting statement. It said this, I like it, it said this, If you choose to go to hell, you will have to step over the cross of Jesus to get there. You see, it comes to a personal decision. Notice by the answer, the answer the religious leaders say is, judge the farmers and give the land to somebody else. What have they just done? They judge themselves. And immediately in this parable, they're beginning to go, whoops. This isn't about me being the owner. Jesus is talking to me about being the farmer. And he's just saying to me that God is going to come and he's going to judge the nation of Israel and its religious leaders and take their vineyard and transfer it to somebody else. Could that happen? It did happen. That's exactly what the parable was saying and what Jesus was saying to them. Look at verse 9, the end of it. And give the vineyard to others. Well, who is that others? It's us. It's Christians. Remember, let me go back through it again quickly. Here's what happened. Jesus came and he said to Israel, your goal 
was to present God as the one true God. You failed in that. Your goal number two was to present the world, the Messiah, Jesus, because he was going to come to save the whole world. You are indeed rejecting me, not even just rejecting me in a couple days. You're going to kill me. So the owner, who is who? God says, I'm taking the privilege that I gave you in the vineyard and I'm transferring it to the New Testament church. That's you and me if you're a Christian this morning, Jew and Gentile alike. And now my responsibility and your responsibility as a Christian is to do what Israel couldn't do or refused to do. It's to take the good news to the whole world. Telling about how good God is, how patient He is, how persistent He is. His heart is always coming to man, no matter how many times man refuses. That's our goal. That's our privilege. So notice it says there in that verse, and give the vineyard to others. You and I have it this morning. That brings us to number five, the absolute necessity of Jesus. The absolute necessity of Jesus. Look at verse 10. During this last week, it's the Passover. And the, the Jews would always sing, they would turn, not like your song sheet you have this morning, to the book of Psalms, and they would sing Psalms. One of the Psalms they would sing is Psalm 118, which is a Messianic song. Verses 25 and 26 are these verses in chapter 10 and 11. It's identical. Look what Jesus says. He says to them, adding insult to their injury, well, religious leaders, don't you ever read the Bible? The song you're singing this week, here's what it says. The stone the builders rejected became the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus was saying, I'm the capstone. I'm the support to the arch. I'm the person that holds this world together. I'm the one that holds you together, completes you together. God is in control. He hasn't lost it. And I am this capstone. So Jesus is saying this, religious leaders, you don't have your life together. You're lost. You can't get to God. You've tried through your sacrifices. That doesn't work. You've tried through being good and that doesn't work. And he says to the Gentiles today, you become a church member. That doesn't work. You were baptized as a little child. That doesn't work. You give money. That doesn't work. You read the Bible. That doesn't work. The only thing that works is to put the capstone in your life as the foundation of your Christianity. You say, how do I do that? It's accepting Jesus Christ into your life personally. You'll hear today, I was out shopping with my wife yesterday, and one of the ladies, I heard her say it, a common statement you'll hear. There's only one God, and all roads lead to Him. Well, I was ready to preach, but I didn't. Is that true? No. That's a great statement, but it's not true. There is only one road, and the capstone is Jesus Christ. He's the one that holds it together. So He says to the Jewish guys, Hey, you don't get it? You don't get it? The only thing that's going to bring your life together, hold your life together, to get you to God, is Me. Look at verse 12. Then they looked at a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd. So they left and went away. Now I want to give you this morning, for a Christian, four keys to producing a good harvest. Four keys 
to producing a good harvest. Notice the parable became very real to the Jewish religious leaders. For a Christian, the parable should be really real to you. Let me give you the players in this whole scenario so that you will understand it. When God transferred the vineyard to you and I, what is the vineyard? Your life. It's your life. The owner of the vineyard today is who? Still God. The servant that comes in your life to correct your life and to get you to be more producible, a fruit for him is who? It's the Holy Spirit. And the crop that you're supposed to produce is God's holiness and souls. People that you're winning, sharing the gospel with. So when you look at your life this morning, here's what I just want to ask you. The responsibility of taking the gospel, the good news, to this world has been transferred from the nation of Israel and those people basically to believers, which includes Jews and Gentiles. Let me just ask you, stop right here quickly and ask you as a believer this morning, look at your own vineyard. How much fruit are you producing? When is the last time you personally shared the good news with somebody? When is the last time you even asked anybody to come to church to hear the good news? You see, today, listen, millions of people are going to hell today. They're dying. You say, well, millions of them. Some of them will be your friends and neighbors over the next matters of time. Who's going to tell them? It's your vineyard. It's my vineyard. It's my responsibility. My responsibility doesn't end here, by the way. I'm in the world. Why? Because that's where my vineyard is. I need to share there. I have a responsibility here, but I have a responsibility in the world, just like you do. You can't dump this all on the pastors here. That's not who the responsibility is. You have your own vineyard. You see, we forget we're the war. Satan is out to destroy everybody he can. And you and I have all the resources to share the good news. So let me give you the four quickly. Number one, don't let the sinfulness of man discourage you. Don't let the sinfulness of man discourage you. One of the things that can happen as we look around we see all the sinful things people do and we go, there's just no hope. There's just no hope. Some of you have been praying for a, a loved one, a, a relative, a friend, a neighbor for years. And you say, man, there's just no hope. I'm not even going to pray anymore. And they're just too sinful. They don't get it. Nothing ever registers. Don't let the sinfulness of man discourage you. God's love is incredible. He is the God of the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh and the eighth and ninth chances. Aren't you glad? Yes. There's mother chance. As long as God is speaking, there's hope. And you need to be speaking. Don't give up this morning. Secondly, the reason I say that to you, if you get discouraged, go to the book of Acts. These same people that Jesus is speaking to, these very same people, not only the religious leaders, but all the people. Sixty days later, Peter gets up and says, you killed Jesus, you put him there, you took the stone and just placed him aside. He has no place in your life. And they went, whoa. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they went like, it just cut my soul. You know what their answer was? What should we do? Peter said, hey, repent and be baptized. 
3,000 people came to know Jesus Christ. You say, look at that and say, well, that's not possible here. Really? Really? Sure it is. People are hungry to get it together. The only thing that's going to get people's lives together is the capstone, Jesus Christ. The only thing that holds this church together is not the eldership, it's Jesus Christ. He's the cornerstone of this church. He's the thing that holds your life together and my life together. So don't be discouraged. Number two, be just like God. That's a good one, isn't it? Be just like God. Some of you tried to play it. I mean in his character now. Be like God. What does that mean? Share the good news. Be persistent. Be loving. Be forgiving. Be kind. Be patient. Are you living for yourself or are you living for God? Do you mind going and sharing the good news even though you've been rejected? Be like God. Don't go in self-judgmental. Send a person back. You go back. You share out of your heart, out of love. Be patient. Even though you're rejected, be patient. Number three, keep focusing on the main thing, which is Jesus Christ. Don't sideline it with you or your private doctrine or Calvary Chapel or Mark Balmer or somebody. Don't sideline it. Jesus Christ is the capstone. Nothing else will change this world. And number four, pray and expect a good return. Pray and expect a good return. You see, if you pray and go, well, God, I've been praying and I know they're just, you know, they're just not open to it. I know they're not going to come to you, but pastor said to pray, so I'm praying. Will anything happen? Not from your part, it won't. You need to have faith. You need to believe. You say, well, where am I going to get the faith? You're hearing it this morning. The character of God. It isn't you that's going to change your life. It's God. And he's patient and he's kind and he's good and he's persistent. He'll come a time and time again to these people's lives. Expect a good return. Now we come to the last one. Take your Bibles and turn to one passage before we close this morning. 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. Right toward the end of the Bible. Right toward the end of Revelation. 1 John chapter 5. There are some this morning that need to hear this verse. I want to explain it to you quickly just as we leave. You see, some are here this morning... And the parable spoke to their heart. You have your own vineyard. Whether you're a Christian or not, God has given you the responsibility of coming to know Him. Now some of you this morning, Jesus has sent a prophet. Prophet Balmer. Here I am. No. But I am God's prophet in speaking His word to you. And here's what He said to you today. You remember He came to Israel time and time again and He said to them, I want you to repent and get right with God. You see, God's whole desire is to spend eternity with you. That's why He created you. And some of you aren't right with God. You've never taken that personal step. And I want to explain it to you. But before I do it, I want to share one verse that you won't like, but you need to hear. It comes from Proverbs. It says this, A man or woman who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. You say, what does that mean? Here's what it means. One who continues in sin, in spite of many loving warnings from God, suddenly one day will find no more opportunities. Let me visually get to you. You start your life. You're over here. 
at a young age, God comes to you and says, accept Jesus Christ into your heart. Ask you personally, ask forgiveness of sins. Has nothing to do with child baptism. That doesn't mean anything. You have to accept Jesus personally into your life as Lord and Savior. You reject it. Comes to the teenage years, he comes to you and he speaks to your heart. You reject it. Comes to the young married years, you're too busy now because you have kids at home and whatever, and you reject it. Comes to the middle age, now you're making big bucks and you've got to get that retirement together and you got to, and you're just too busy and you reject God. Comes to your retirement age. Well, now you got to just put it all together because you, your things past there is too late in your life and now you're pretty much set in your way and you reject God. Here's what that scripture says. God comes to you time and time and time and time again. And here's the truth. There comes a time when this time is the very last time God will ever speak to your heart. And you say, what kind of a mean God is that? No, you didn't get it. We've been talking to you this morning about a good God. Look how many times he came to us. How many can remember how many times he came to you? Whoa, time and time again. And you finally went, okay. See, the key is a hard heart. Here's the greatest disaster in hell. Here's the greatest disaster in hell. When you get to hell, I guarantee you, if you rejected Jesus, you will remember the last offer of God. You see, the titles to this morning's teaching is God's loving offers and man's opportunities. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. Here's what it says. Let's start in verse 11. 1 John 5, 11. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. That's a good God. He didn't have to, but He gave us eternal life, which means heaven. And this life is connected to, tied to, based on, all together, who? The Son, Jesus Christ. The capstone. Verse 12. This is the simplest presentation of the gospel I know. Verse 12. He who has the Son has life. So if you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart, personally repented of your sins, and are walking after God, it's a lifestyle, it's not an event, and you're walking after God, the capstone is in place. You're on your way to heaven. You have peace with God, your life is together. Second part of that verse says, He who does not have the Son, what? Does not have life. And don't read on, but the next verse basically, you can read it later, says this. You can know which one you are. You can leave this morning knowing that you have the Son and you have life. As a Christian this morning, what a great thing. You have a vineyard this morning, Christian. Are you sharing the good news? Can you remember the last time? You say, but I'm being rejected. So what? Hey, ain't been sodden too yet, have you? Let's keep it going. We have a great God this morning, don't we? A loving God who's patient and kind. Somebody stopped me at the end of the service and said, I've been coming here five years and last night I got it. I see that the God of the Old Testament wasn't mean. He was a loving God. You betcha. And he's still the same God this morning. He's loving. In this message, we were exhorted to take heed of the timeliness of God's promise. There could come a time when his offer of salvation after so much rejection, is no longer offered. Pastor Mark encouraged believers that even in the face of rejection, keep bringing the message of life to everyone around you, 
Whatever the excuses, each person has to come to repentance and reconciliation on their own. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will take on the topic of biblical giving, as it relates to the text in the Gospel of Mark. We'll hear about what Scripture has to say about paying taxes as well as giving to the Lord. There is a big difference in how the world views giving and how God does, which is evident in the hearts of the givers. We'll see how to be good stewards of the resources the Lord has graciously given us. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 